Hi, I'm Bill Thielman, co-host of BC Polytalk. And I'm Daniel Fontaine. Today on our show, we've got Mayor Jack Froze of the Township of Langley. Not only is he the mayor, he's also the vice chair of the Mayor's Council on Regional Transit and Transportation and sits on the Metro Vancouver Board of Directors and a number of other committees around Metro Vancouver. You know, Bill, uh, this week we, we've got uh, TransLink in the news everywhere. So uh, the, the fact that uh, there is having some major financial issues, uh, I think, is going to prove uh, a longstanding issue for this organization. And I, I just can't believe what I'm hearing when I'm hearing of organizations like TransLink that only about five, six months ago were recording record levels of traffic and record levels of passengers across Metro Vancouver are now facing the prospect of potentially going insolvent. It's just hard to believe that all that has happened in just a matter of uh, literally a few weeks. Yeah, and that's what we want to primarily talk to Mayor Jack Froze about because we saw headline after headline, news story after news story this past week saying uh, ridership is down 83%. Those of us who have seen buses go by know that they've roped off the front. There's no fares being collected and they're trying to do social distancing on the buses. And, you know, Daniel, the transit system, both buses and SkyTrain, is so essential to our frontline and healthcare workers, uh, from nurses, doctors, hospital workers, to long-term care workers who you work with, to our retail clerks and store uh, distribution, everything that we do, a lot of those people really depend on transit and we can't have our transit system collapse in the middle of a pandemic. No, and uh, I'll be definitely asking him around like the, the lack of uh, federal response. I know there's a lot on the federal agenda and I, and I know many of the, U, I think the U.S. government has uh, contributed some funding uh, in to help transit. So I will definitely, I think we should explore that as well. A group that you didn't mention, Bill, but I know is on your mind is people with disabilities, people who mm -hmm. uh, physically cannot get around and rely on things like handy darts. So I'll be interested to see how uh, TransLake is going to stick handle the whole issue of handy dart and making sure that that service remains uh, a viable option uh, going forward in the coming weeks, given the cash crunch that TransLake's facing. Yeah, we'll have a lot of questions for Mayor Froze about how TransLink and the Mayor's Council are going to deal with this. Another question that is in the future, uh, if we have a future, that is, I guess, Daniel, but uh, is uh, our, we've got a lot of major infrastructure transit and transportation programs on the books that that the Mayor's Council and TransLink are, are operating or supervising, like the Broadway line expansion of SkyTrain. So is that something that's going to happen? Is it going to happen faster? Uh, those are the kind of projects which we traditionally have seen after an economic recession or depression to try and kickstart the economy. So I'll ask Mayor Froze about that. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Um, I'm reading headlines in the Globe and Mail, National Post, others, uh, Minister McKenna talking about uh, infrastructure, shovel-ready projects getting going. So I, I have a feeling that government, there are parts and components of the federal and provincial government that are looking beyond the current uh, pandemic and looking out towards the other side. And I think infrastructure projects like the SkyTrain expansion, uh, which uh, I think you know I'm a huge fan of expanding it all the way to UBC. I think it should be going there. Um, I think those projects will uh, likely be um, pushed a little bit more uh, quickly than they may have been pre-COVID-19. Uh, and I'm with you there. I, I look forward to a short walk from my apartment to a, a SkyTrain station, which would be really close to our home. But, uh, you know, the, the other thing that I, I want to ask about is uh, the impact on uh, the township of Langley, but also the other municipalities, because Jack Froze, the mayor, 
sits on all these committees. And, and you know, we've seen, again, Vancouver in financial crisis and appealing for, for funding to, uh, to try and bail them out, I guess, and other mayors talking about the challenge they have with people not even literally being able to pay property taxes in many cases. What's going to happen? No, there's huge impacts to municipalities, and I'll be interested to hear his reaction. We've got, I think, 23 metro cities in the metro area, so they're all kind of approaching it slightly differently. Uh, everyone from Vancouver to Burnaby with a billion-dollar surplus that they're sitting on. So, yeah, it'd be good to explore uh, with him on that topic uh, as well. Um, and I also want to explore a little bit back to the previous topic on TransLink. I want to talk to uh, to Mayor Froze about how much planning was actually done at TransLink around the pandemic and how much work had been done in advance to actually model what might happen if we were in the midst of a, something like a coronavirus. I'm, I'm actually quite curious to see what type of planning had been put in place and uh, explore that a bit. Yeah, and uh, if we got time, I want to ask Mayor Froze about uh, our agriculture and food supply questions because he used to be a farmer for a long time and uh, grew up on a farm, I believe. And um, it's another important question which we haven't spent a lot of time on in the midst of all the other crises going on. But you know, with these global food supply chains being threatened, if not shut down, and a lot of people are going to say, "I don't want imports from China or or Italy or Spain or who knows where else, the United States." Uh, mm -hmm. I think uh, local food is going to be more important than ever. I think we could have the Minister of Agriculture on BC Poly Talk soon. I think there'd be a fascinating discussion. I think it may not have been six months ago, but it definitely uh, is today. And on that note, why don't we bring Mayor Froze on and have that discussion? Sounds good. BC Poly Talk thanks Harbour Air for supporting the show. It's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show. Mayor Jack Froze, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a crazy time for, I think, all mayors, but particularly for you as the vice chair of the Mayor's Council uh, on Regional Transit, you've got some major challenges. You've been uh, front page news for the last few days this week with the possibility that TransLink and, uh, and all the transit services in Metro Vancouver could run into a very, very serious financial crisis in a very short period of time. Can you give us a, an update on where you stand now? Yeah, so uh, the Transit Board and the Mayor's Council met um, over the last couple of days and uh, staff have provided quite a, a detailed uh, analysis of, of the state of the state of transit translate right now with with the finances that uh, they have where they can look for cuts uh, and uh, how we can bring down the the, uh, the cost over the next few months just to basically buy time uh, I think there'll be some more announcements coming out uh, officially from translink but as you heard earlier in the week uh, translink is you know projected to lose 75 million dollars a month which is a staggering amount of money and anybody knows that that's not sustainable and uh, we have to find some way to reduce costs but we also um, to keep this transit system going especially after uh, this pandemic starts to clear up and we're seeking to um, go into recovery mode we, we want to make sure that we have a transit system that's, that's still working yeah it's obviously extremely important if not downright essential for healthcare workers who depend on transit to get to and from work for long-term care workers, for retail workers who are filling our grocery stores with groceries for us, uh, people who are doing all these essential services to keep our society going during this pandemic. Um, how do you balance off the need for, obviously nobody can lose $75 million a month uh, at, and at the same time provide a lot of service. So where do you, where do you go, I guess, is the question. 
Yeah, so you know, I know in analyzing the uh, the routes and uh, how many uh, people are using it, we have seventy five thousand people uh, using the transit system every day. Uh, yet uh, there are some uh, cost savings that, uh, unfortunately, there's going to have to be some tough decisions made, either canceling some routes or reducing the frequency on some routes to reduce the cost. Uh, those are some of the things we're looking at. Uh, you got to remember, uh, TransLink is one of the most successful transit authorities in North America with a, with the highest uh, ridership improvements. But all of a sudden, with this pandemic, it's dropped uh, about 83% over the entire system. Uh, with the drop in ridership, there's a drop in revenue. With the drop in uh, people not driving, gas tax is a big part of the revenue. That's uh, fallen away uh, considerably. So, so we have to look at ways to uh, still maintain an essential service to get those people you mentioned uh, to the places they have to go. We really rely on them. Uh, so how do we maintain an essential service and maintain that system, which you can't, it's not a direct line where you can, you know, uh, cancel uh, a few few lines, uh, a few routes, and uh, and then still be able to operate. It's, you know, it's, it's really difficult to keep this system going uh, uh, and uh, with limited funding. So, uh, Jack, just wondering, you know, it, it's not like we didn't know that pandemics were a part of our global world today. We've had the H1N1 and SARS, and uh, there's been, you know, discussion around how prepared governments uh, were and are for uh, pandemics. And obviously that would apply to TransLink as well. What, what has TransLink done over the last 10 years to kind of prepare itself for the fact that we could be in a pandemic and public transit would be kind of right there at the core of the concern, given that you've got a lot of people, you know, crammed into small territories and you can spread the, the virus. Was there any um, discussion or any planning on TransLink's part? Because it looks a little bit like you were caught off guard uh, with this pandemic. Any response to that? Well, I've been uh, on the Mayor's Council for uh, over eight years and uh, I can't recall one time where we talked about a pandemic. Uh, certainly uh, in our municipalities and uh, on transit to Metro Vancouver, we certainly uh, have plans in place for emergencies where uh, we know that systems can be uh, compromised, whether it's through earthquake or, or that sort of thing. And we know those are major events that, that could really uh, hurt our system. But uh, I think like a lot of others, uh, we we're kind of caught off guard. There's no question. Uh, this, this is uh, something I've never experienced in my lifetime. Uh, certainly, we have seen other pandemics in the world uh, isolated, uh, whereas this one uh, hit TransLink. And, you know, we're required to uh, run efficiently. And over the years, we've had a lot of pressure to cut costs and, and run our, our buses and our trains efficiently. And now we're having to um, have social distancing or physical distancing on our system, which means you're running at about 30% capacity on all those buses. Uh, I can tell you it's not anything I've ever discussed, and uh, it caught a lot of government agencies, it caught us off guard, and now we're scrambling to rewrite the playbook. This is, uh, this is really new to all of us. Do, do you think it was an oversight then in, in, in view of the fact that you hadn't talked about it? Do you think if you could wind back the clock that it was something that uh, should have been flagged for the board and for the, the mayors to, to put on their agenda? Yeah, you know, I think looking back, certainly, uh, you know, 2020 vision, uh, you know, through the rear view mirror is always, uh, certainly it would have been good. I think looking forward, uh, all of us, uh, no matter where you are, whether you're in business or in government, are going to learn a lot of lessons from this and how we move forward and how we, how we prepare for this. Uh, it, it's, uh, I, I don't think we really foresaw the, the, the consequences of the distancing uh, that we have to do from each other, uh, the fact that businesses are closed, uh, People aren't using the system, uh, you know, such a dramatic drop. 
Uh, I don't know if anybody saw that coming. Uh, and uh, I know even in the Emergency Act in British Columbia, they had to add the word pandemic because it wasn't in there. Yeah. Mayor Froze, um, looking at, around the situation financially, my understanding, and you may correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that the federal emergency funding program uh, wouldn't apply to TransLink drivers, TransLink uh, mechanics, Coast Mountain Bus and, and SkyTrain, is that, and, and West Coast Express. Is that something that might change, or is that something that you and the Mayor's Council are working uh, with the federal government to try and find funding for that? Yes, for sure. Uh, you know, the programs that have come out uh, from the federal government uh, don't apply to TransLink. Uh, and it's very disappointing because that's something that uh, we really uh, require uh, to, to, keep it, to keep it going. If you look at the United States, uh, you know, we, we, can, we can look south and criticize some of the way that they've handled the pandemic, especially from the federal government. Uh, they've, the federal government has, has put $25 billion into the transit systems throughout uh, the United States. Uh, our federal government has, as far as I know, has put nothing in. Uh, this is a, a very serious uh, consequence for all of, not just Metro Vancouver and TransLink, but right across Canada. Uh, this can become very serious if, like say right now, uh, if we don't get funding. We have made some cuts that will keep the system going for a while, but we're just buying time. We need to have this thing whole so that, or at one point during the recovery, we can get people back to work. Uh, so provincially and federally, I think, uh, you know, with the efforts that we're doing now, uh, they're starting to realize how serious this can be for uh, not only just TransLink, but right across the country. Yeah, and I, I certainly, and I'm sure Daniel certainly wouldn't want to see uh, funding restricted for many of the people who are getting it and need it desperately. But it strikes me that a worker who's lost their job in the restaurant industry, as sad as that is, uh, they're getting subsidized by the federal government. But uh, a, a bus driver who's driving nurses and hospital workers and long-term care workers to their jobs isn't being subsidized. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, so I think the subsidy right now is, you know, there's a program where federal government will pay back to um, businesses uh, rather than laying people off, pay them 75% of the wage, the business then covers the other 25%. That doesn't apply to TransLink. However, if someone's laid off, then uh, certainly the collective agreement of the unions that are part of TransLink and, uh, you know, employment insurance would kick in like everybody else. Uh, as far as that particular worker, but as, as an organization, uh, TransLink uh, is not uh, able to access some of the programs that have gone out to, for example, Air Canada. Uh, and uh, yet, yet uh, you know, it's important to keep Air Canada ready to, you know, continue when we have the recovery. It's also important to keep our transit systems running and able to uh, assist in the recovery. Yeah, absolutely. And and I should just, uh, sorry, Dad, I just should, should disclose too, I'm the co-executive director of the Better Transit and Transportation Coalition. So it's a very important issue to me. But I, I just, uh, I again, I'm, I'm kind of mystified by uh, the federal government position at this point. And I, I certainly would hope that, uh, well, I, my question is, what if you were able to get the 75% uh, subsidy that other employers are getting, would that uh, get you out of the financial glue? I, you know, I, I don't have that kind of detail. I would have to check with uh, the folks over at TransLink, uh, the financial people. But it certainly is something that uh, uh, they've been asking for. I know Kevin Desmond has been in constant communication with uh, counterparts right across the country and with the federal government uh, to to access these programs. It certainly would go a long ways to assist. And uh, I, I think it's something that, uh, you know, is very, very important to, to us is to access some sort of funding, whether it's that or it comes in a different form. But... Uh, Transit's important, and a lot of people, uh, about 130,000 uh, people or households in, in our region that don't own a car, uh, and 75,000 people right now are using the system every day to get to 
uh, work. These are the people that are working in the grocery stores, that are cleaning the hospitals, that are doctors and nurses that rely on transit. No, I, I agree with Bill that uh, it's absolutely critical. I mean, I, I work uh, obviously in the long-term care and the home care sector, and a lot of our uh, staff use public transit to get to and from appointments and to, to make sure that seniors get the critical care that they need, both uh, in home as well as in long-term care settings. So reductions in transit is obviously something very much of concern uh, to them. I, I wouldn't mind just switching gears a little bit, uh, obviously staying on the topic of transit, but I can't help but think moving forward, and I'm trying to get as often as we can for us to think beyond the pandemic because we're right in the middle of it now, but I'm very worried about the long-term ramifications um, for transit and also for the ridership. As you indicated, uh, I'm a regular transit user. I, I use SkyTrain, the bus all the time. Um, and I can't help but think that the momentum that we were building in terms of I was seeing the number of people that's on the buses and in the, in the SkyTrains was just growing every week. How do you think this will impact uh, an organization like TransLake moving forward? Uh, any thoughts or have you guys been given some projections already as to what might happen? We're, uh, you know, as far as uh, what might happen, uh, certainly that discussion starting. Uh, I think we're focused right now on how we're going to uh, survive the next few weeks, next few months, and that's really where a lot of the energy has been going. But uh, you're right. This, uh, TransLink was enjoying a great, uh, great successes, uh, increased ridership, uh, highest in North America. Uh, certainly, it's going to take time for that to come back. Uh, I, I think we can see it all around where uh, people are, are doing business differently. A lot of businesses are going to have a hard time getting back on their feet after this uh, happens. So uh, it's going to take time for that ridership to build again. Uh, yet I'm optimistic. I, I believe that uh, this is going to get behind us. We're, you know, as a as a country and as people in Canada, we're very resilient. We've gone through difficulties in our in our history uh, and come out of it. World War One, the pandemic of 1918, depression, World War Two. We've always bounced back, and I see no difference here. I think we're strong, resilient people that uh, will find ways to get the economy going again. Everybody will want to get to work, uh, and uh, as soon as this is over, so it will take some time. Certainly, this is a setback. This is a setback for everyone. Uh, it doesn't matter what field you're in. Uh, this is a setback that's going to take some time to come out of, but I'm optimistic that uh, we will bounce back. It's just, uh, you know, like everybody else, it's going to take time to get the engine running again. And once it's at full speed, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Um, Jack, just on that and, and on the recovery question, Translink has a lot of very major infrastructure programs on the books already, the expansion of yeah. the SkyTrain line down Broadway, uh, other things. And there's uh, some who argue that it obviously should go all the way out to UBC and that perhaps it should be built faster. With our economy quite devastated by the effects of COVID-19, once we do come out of that and knowing that uh, this construction is long term, it's not going to be done in, done in a year, would you see that, that the rapid transit system is A, essential and B, uh, should be expedited to, to stimulate the BC economy and the regional economy? Yeah, I certainly agree with that. Uh, you know, one thing in recovery is to get the projects going and uh, getting, uh, you know, the SkyTrain is just one project. One of the many that we're looking at, we're working on, SkyTrain from Langley all the way to UBC is uh, certainly a great stimulus project uh, that uh, I, I think should continue on. Uh, there's funding that's been put aside now and some have said, well, why don't you use that funding to uh, to assist in this crisis? Unfortunately, we can't. That, uh, that money is earmarked for these projects by federal and provincial. Um, you know, by their, their, uh, their rules around it. So uh, the money is there. Uh, as we come out of this and start looking for recovery projects to uh, 
get the engine of our economy going, I think these are important that we uh, carry on with them because people will go back to using them. Uh, it may be different, you know, I don't have a crystal ball uh, with this physical distancing now and, you know, how are we going to manage that in the future? And will that, as uh, perhaps a vaccine comes along, people start to feel more comfortable to go back to the way of life that we're used to. But uh, it is important to keep those projects going. Uh, they are uh, going to help our economy and people will come back to our system. Yeah. So, Mayor Foz, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance uh, to talk to a lot of the frontline uh, bus drivers and folks who are in the operations side, but if you have, um, what's going through their minds right now as they're driving those buses and kind of operating? Like, what, how are they feeling? How is morale? Um, are they nervous, scared? Um, what's your sense in terms of what uh, is going through their minds at the moment? Yeah, I haven't uh, directly had that contact. And our, you know, staff haven't mentioned too much, but I know that measures have been taking uh, taken to um, to protect the workers. And I think that's extremely important. One of the one of the main focuses of TransLink is to ensure that the, all the employees, all the staff, uh, are protected. So with uh, the change to rear uh, loading off the, uh, the rear door instead of the front door, uh, it it allows for that physical distancing. Uh, we had to uh, forego taking fares because there's no way to collect it in the rear door. But that was a decision that was made uh, primarily to protect uh, the bus drivers. Uh, so I, I certainly, I think anyone, whether you're a, a grocery clerk, a bus driver, a nurse, a doctor in the front line, uh, everyone's concerned about this, uh, this disease that, uh, that they're safe protected from it. And TransLink is doing everything possible to protect the drivers uh, with uh, accelerating the barriers that were being put in to protect drivers. Uh, that's been accelerated with rear loading, with uh, spacing in the buses, all of those measures are there to protect the employees and also the, the public who are using uh, the transit system. Uh, doing everything we can, but I, I can't put myself in the in the driver's seat and, and tell exactly how they're feeling. I think everyone is uh, anxious and uh, you know everyone's doing their best under this uh, these circumstances. And I really believe that these frontline workers are the heroes of this uh, pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question. And that's why I'm out at seven o'clock every night banging and making noise yeah. and hitting the drums, yes, et cetera. Yeah. Um, uh, Mayor, if I could switch gears a little bit, uh, of course, we've been talking about transit because you're vice chair of the Mayor's Council on Regional Transportation and Transit, but you're also mayor of Langley Township. How has this crisis affected you in your municipality and, and what do you see? You also sit on a number of important committees through uh, Metro Vancouver. How do you see this impacting your municipality and other municipalities in a more general way? Uh, several things, uh, you know, when this first started, uh, you know, in, in my world, this is like week five or week six. I mean, we knew it was happening, it was, it was coming along and, and we're listening to, to, to uh, the provincial health uh, and what was happening. But really about five weeks ago, it really got serious. And first thing we had to do was start closing recreation facilities. And every time we made a decision, we thought, do we really have to do this? And now looking back, you think, of course, we had to do this. But at the time, these are, these are hard decisions, closing playgrounds, that sort of thing. But every time we, we did a closure, that meant somebody, uh, you know, we've had to go through layoffs and our managers have had to go to uh, people that are, are great employees and have to lay them off. And uh, that's not an easy thing to do. So there's been an immediate, um, I think, uh, impact to staff, uh, the township. We're trying to keep as many working as possible. Some are working at home. We've got our crews still out working on projects. It's actually a good time to, to do road projects right now. It's a little bit lighter traffic. So in that regard, uh, having to lay off people is, is difficult. Having to close down uh, facilities, which provide an income, that income is now gone. Uh, and so uh, we have to make that up another way. 
The other thing that's concerning is how are our residents and homeowners, property owners, going to be able to pay their uh, property taxes, those that have lost their jobs. And uh, so our council, I think all councils are struggling with uh, what they can do to, to ease the burden. Some have delayed uh, the tax collection to September 2nd. Uh, some have uh, reduced the penalty, uh, which we are required by legislation to impose a 10% penalty for late uh, payment of uh, property taxes. Uh, we've chose to reduce the penalty in July and then uh, it, make it up in November to give as much time for those who can't pay it uh, uh, some room. The provincial government has come forward and, and uh, given some relief to municipalities with an announcement uh, just, just recently, just yesterday, where uh, it'll help with businesses and uh, it also helps municipalities in, in deferring their payments to the province. So there are some measures that have come in that have really helped the municipalities. But Financially, it's uh, it's difficult because we have to, we still have to pay our bills like everybody else and pay our our employees. So certainly, um, it's been a, uh, challenging uh, in, in my role. We first set up the emergency operations center, and uh, you know got that rolling. But really, we're following the the provincial health uh, regulations and orders, and uh, our job primarily right now is communication to our residents to ensure that everybody's uh, knows what's going on and that we're doing as much as we can to to uh, work with our residents. So I, I've been watching uh, over the last few weeks as the COVID pandemic has kind of rolled its way through the, the metro area and just watching some of the municipalities and their reaction to it in terms of um, how they're prepared and, and closing community centers, et cetera. But one of the more fascinating components of this is around the revenue, just the, the lack of revenue for cities. And you've got a range of cities reacting differently. You've got uh, the mayor of Port Coquitlam, I think, uh, offering a tax break and rolling back the proposed tax hike that was coming forward this year. You got in my community in New Westminster, pretty much a stand pat. So far, we haven't heard of any uh, breaks or anything, but also no uh, significant layoffs. And then you've got the city of Vancouver that's asking for a $200 million grant from the province of British Columbia. So my question to you is um, kind of where does your city fit in all of that? And secondly, do you support um, the city of Vancouver's request for a $200 million grant? And, and also if you could comment on uh, the provincial response to that request, uh, allowing the cities to go a little bit further uh, into debt uh, in order to accommodate uh, the COVID-19 issue. Yeah, so the city of Vancouver uh, is under its own city charter, where all other municipalities in British Columbia are under the community charter. Slightly different rules, so I'm not as familiar with how they work. I know uh, one thing that our council uh, had decided to do early on when we did our budget, uh, and that was after the pandemic, uh, we, we kind of accelerated our budget discussions was to borrow from one of our reserves, but the regulations, you have to borrow, if you borrow from it, you have to pay it back with interest. So the provincial uh, government's response was to allow municipalities to borrow from the reserves, not pay interest and pay back in five years. So uh, we do have as municipalities, now not, I can't speak for everyone, uh, perhaps the larger ones, uh, some reserves put aside for uh, that, are, that are protected reserves for our water system, for our sewer system, for our roads, that you can't go and use that money for something else, especially for operating. But the province has allowed that to happen. That just happened yesterday. When I talked to my staff, they said that is something that's gonna help us uh, considerably. So I can't speak for Vancouver and uh, the reserves that they have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll be looking at, uh, at that. And the fact that we can now delay paying our provincial school tax remittance to the province, uh, that's delayed till the end of the year. That's the money that we can use as we collect the taxes through the year. So it's, uh, I think every municipality is a little bit different. Uh, and there'll be, I know the province said they can be watching uh, how this rolls out throughout the province. There's a lot of small municipalities 
that don't have the access to reserves that perhaps uh, the township of Langley would or the city of Surrey or Coquitlam would. But uh, uh, for us, it's going to help us uh, get through this this bump and uh, allow people time to get their taxes paid. And, uh, you know, we, we still are like most businesses. We're losing money, too. And uh, that has to be made up. And it's 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 all of our money. It's it's the taxpayers. It's, it belongs to all of us. But it was some good moves the province did, I think, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to switch gears again because uh, a lot of our uh, viewers and listeners may not know, but uh, you know, prior to being mayor, you were also a farmer. And I'm wondering if you have any yeah. thoughts on the security of our food supply, the way food is distributed in British Columbia. Will we see that uh, local food production becomes much more important? Uh, we really do have a global food supply chain now and we get stuff from yeah. all over the world. Um, do you see that changing in the future? I, I do. Uh, I'm a, I'm in the, been a producer. I grew up on a farm and I've, I've uh, been a, a producer all, all of my life. Uh, and uh, certain, obviously, there's certain items that we cannot grow in Canada. Uh, you know, I, I get my bananas and they, they don't come from Canada. The coffee and that sort of thing. There's certainly, but there's a lot of uh, product that can be grown in Canada. And unfortunately, uh, in my own, you know, on my soapbox as a farmer, uh, when uh, Produce can be brought in from California cheaper than they can grow it here, and and that's the choice that that uh, stores are making to purchase there rather than support our own farmers. When you have a pandemic like this, and a, and a, you know the borders are still open, uh, food is still transporting back and forth, which is great, but there's that fear of what happens, what if, and having a strong uh, food security in our own country uh, by supporting our own uh, uh, farmers and, and agriculture industry, I think, is extremely important. And through this, I think people are realizing that how important our own system is. And uh, I know the uh, I'm in the uh, in the poultry industry, and the, I know the egg farmers. Uh, their their sales are up. It's it's just uh, you know trying to keep up. The milk producers, the plants are having a difficult time and switching from industrial production to retail production because of so many uh, industrial uses have been closed down, and now it's retail packaging, and, and you know they've had difficulties there, but they're adapting to it. It's certainly been a shift, and uh, I think in the future we'll be looking at uh, more. How do we control our own supply in Canada and ensure that those that are making the decisions to purchase are purchasing from Canadian farmers and uh, utilizing that, that asset? Uh, you know, I look back and years ago, you, you buy frozen vegetables in the middle of winter. My mom would can. Now we expect fresh year round and uh, that has to come from other places. And now where's our stock of frozen if that dries up? So, so I, I think there's going to be a shift. Uh, and I think agriculture industry in Canada is going to react to it. Uh, but we also need... I think uh, government support in ensuring that our supply in Canada is protected. So, Mr. Mayor, I want to thank you. I know you're a very busy fellow right now. Uh, you're working at uh, multiple levels with Translink in your own community. And thanks for your public service and your leadership uh, during this time. I think we thank all you. recognize uh, some amazing political leadership, uh, not only across the municipalities, across the province, across the country right now. And that's that's great to see. So thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to be here with Bill and I and uh, with our listeners and our viewers this week. Appreciate it so much. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to have a chat with you. Thank you. Thanks very much, Mayor Frost. BC Polytalk thanks Harbour Air for supporting the show. It's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show. 
So Bill, uh, another really interesting discussion this time with Mayor Froze uh, about a range of topics. I mean, we were even able to get in agriculture into that uh, short time we had with him, but uh, real interesting discussion. For, for me, the, the the big thing that I took away from that interview, and uh, you heard me explore it a little bit, it was around pandemic planning. And I, I can't help but think that coming out of this, that every major transit a system in North America and beyond is going to be dusting off their future planning and putting the word pandemic in it and making sure that they have plans to deal with that. So I was a bit surprised, to be honest, that mm -hmm. that the mayor said there was really no discussion around the pandemic. Uh, but there probably are hundreds of organizations around uh, British Columbia, around the world that are looking and saying, boy, how did we not see this coming? Yeah. And to be fair, if we'd said, uh, have you had any discussions about earthquake planning? I'm sure they have. And that's the kind of thing that everybody in BC and Vancouver particularly talks about Metro Vancouver. You know, do you have your earthquake kit? Do you have your water? Do you have your food? Can you survive a couple of days? Do you know how to shut off the gas in your building? All those kind of things. And I think that's what we really expected we'd have to deal with in terms of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, and not a pandemic which shuts down our system and a, an invisible enemy. So, uh, you know, and to be fair, I think TransLink probably has a pretty good earthquake plan. But, um, you know, it's one of those, it's a it's a brand new world for everybody on that one. I, I have to say what uh, my big takeaway was, the, the federal government is not providing the 75% income support for TransLink drivers, mechanics, and others in the public service who provide essential service, in my view, while we are providing that kind of funding, or the federal government is, to private sector employees and employers. Well, what's interesting with that, Bill, is just the, the and they're kind of designing these on back of napkins. I, I They're trying yeah. to rush them out quickly. And I have to give them some credit because it is, I can only imagine, a Herculean task to be coming up with programs that are designed in a matter of days that would normally take years uh, to come up with. But uh, so what's interesting with this is that when those Coast Mountain bus drivers are laid off, they're eligible for the $2,000 CERB or unemployment payment, whatever it's called. But uh, why wouldn't we want to try to encourage them to stay on the job and take those funds and put that and invest that into transit? I think it might have been an oversight. And I can only imagine there's so many complexities and it's like pushing on a balloon and the air pops out another side. You think you saw something and then you suddenly created another problem somewhere else. So. Uh, we'll be interested. I, I think that, you know, there's, there is a legitimate flexibility on the part of the federal and provincial governments. We've seen them move. We've seen them transform and, a, and an announcement comes out one week and they've said, hey, we missed it and we're going to change the program and add to it. So maybe after they watch BC Poly Talk and they see that there's some concern, <laughs> uh, federal and provincial governments might uh, take up uh, Mayor Froze's challenge and, and correct that problem. Well, I'd be happy to invite Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to appear on the show to, to, to fix this problem and be the first to announce it here. But uh, I do think more seriously that it, it is a, a failure. Uh, it's a policy decision, really, Daniel. And that's that's one of the things. And I get that the government may not want to put money into every single transit system, but it is essential. And, I, I, you know, I just have to say again, uh, you know, I I. I have the best possible wishes for all the private sector employees who are off and I'm glad they're getting some money, but I just can't imagine we don't have a transit system because the federal government won't extend the same amount of money to the transit drivers. Yeah, and, and Mayor Froze, one of my takeaways as well from that uh, discussion was he did hint that there's going to be some announcements coming uh, forward soon. And I, I'm really worried about HandyDart. I'm worried that it will be impacted. We didn't get to ch ask him about that, but I have a feeling that there's going to be reductions in service there and so be some other reductions in service. And I fully agree with you. And we don't always agree on everything, Bill. But I will say that I, I look at, um, you know, like electricity and I look at, uh, you know, other key core things that government has to deliver 
And I see transit as being that in particular in metro areas when we're trying to get these workers to the grocery stores, getting the carriages to the seniors. Um, for most people um, on lower income, middle to lower income, they're using that public transit and to eliminate that at this time in the middle of the pandemic, I think is a bit short-sighted. So I'm hoping that senior levels of government will rethink that uh, once transit comes out with a plan as to what they're gonna do to reduce service. Yeah, uh, my last point, I guess, would be that I'm glad we were able to talk about what is happening municipally and uh, Mayor Froes outlined some of the programs that the province is uh, doing and policy changes to allow them to borrow from the reserve funds and, and pay it back later. And I think we're going to see more of that, Daniel, because I don't think there's any way the municipalities, not just Vancouver, but all of them are going to see their full tax revenue when property tax time comes up. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people say, charge me interest, do whatever, but I'm not paying. No, there's, there's going to be a cash crunch for sure. And uh, we've already seen uh, a number of layoffs, uh, particular auxiliary employees in the, in the city. So, but they're called auxiliary, but they basically are working for the city. They're just not full-time employees. And there's literally in the thousands now of auxiliary employees that have been laid off in the metro area. I think the next wave to come will be beyond auxiliary. I think they're going to start cutting right into the actual full-time employees. And Mayor Kennedy Stewart has already alluded to cutbacks and things like fire and, and uh, police. I don't know if that was just to kind of get the province's attention. But um, no, serious, serious crisis for municipalities around revenue generation. And uh, we'll be feeling the impacts of this for, for many, many years to come. Uh, indeed, we will. And um, we will be broadcasting BC Polytalk for many weeks to come, at least. Uh, thank you to all our listeners and viewers, and particularly for putting up with our remote camera and somewhat digitized appearance. But uh, we're doing the best we can in the circumstances, and we keep wanting to bring you the stories and the interviews that are important in this uh, very, very challenging pandemic situation. Absolutely, Bill. And stay safe out there, and we'll see you all next week. And remember, you can find everything at our website, bcpolytalk.ca. You can also chase us down on Spotify and iTunes for podcasts. You can find us on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and find links there. You can go to YouTube and see the show. 